Welcome to the Hammond New Harvest Podcast. This is the It's Not Too Late series by Pastor Brian Shaver. In part two, Pastor Brian looks at Luke 19, verses 1 through 9, to show us how it's not too late for forgiveness. Isn't God good? If you're able, stand with me for the reading of the word, if you will. And I want to continue along this, this thought this week. I got, I'm, I'm discombobulated up here. I, I, I've got to get my mind straight. Uh, like I said, you run on a skeleton crew and you drive the bus. I got to drive the bus this morning, and, uh, which is a, a great honor. But at the same time, I'm just got to pull my, my head together. So just pray with me. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9 says this, Afterward, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, or you may like to call him Zacchaeus from the little song. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, a man after my own heart. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. And he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes... I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I want to talk to you today about it's not too late for forgiveness. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, we love you today. I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you for your grace and your kindness. I thank you for your mercy. God, I pray you'll now give me focus as we minister your word and as we break the bread of life, if this is depending on my performance today, we'll fail. But God, I ask that your anointing will rest now. And God, whether it be somebody here or somebody watching on Facebook, I ask God that you will call us to a place of repentance, call us to a place where we seek forgiveness from you, from one another, from ourselves. God, I pray that you'll bring healing to our lives and in the broken areas of our lives, let us realize that it's not too late for restoration. It's not too late for repentance. It's not too late for forgiveness. I ask God that you'll speak to us today in a, in a very special way. We'll thank you for it and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. High five someone next to you and say, hey, glad you made it through the storm. Thank you, Miss Betty. throw a picture up here for you. It may be shocking. Anybody know who this guy is? Jeffrey Dahmer. What's he known for? He was a cannibal. He was a serial killer and a cannibal. Here, here's something you may not know. I want to read a quote to you. I don't do this very often, but I want to read a, a portion of Max Lucado's book, in the, in the Grip of Grace. And I read this years ago, and, and this has never left me. Here's, here's what Lucado write, writes. Forgive me for my glasses, but I, I can't see. He says, know what disturbs me most about Jeffrey Dahmer? 
What disturbs me most are not his acts, though they are disgusting. Dahmer was convicted of 17 murders. Eleven corpses were found in his apartment. He cut off arms. He ate body parts. My thesaurus has 204 synonyms for vile, but each falls short of describing a man who kept skulls in his refrigerator and hoarded a human heart. He redefined the boundary for brutality. The Milwaukee monster dangled from the lowest rung of human conduct and then dropped. But that's not what troubles me most. Can I tell you what troubles me most about Jeffrey Dahmer? Not his trial, as disturbing as it was, with all those pictures of him sitting serenely in court, face frozen, motionless, no sign of remorse, no hint of regret. Remember his steely eyes and impassive face? But I don't speak of him because of his trial. There's another reason. Can I tell you what really bothers me about Jeffrey Dahmer? Can I tell you what really troubles me about Jeffrey Dahmer? May I tell you what does? His conversion. Months before an inmate murdered him, Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian. Said he repented, was sorry for what he did, profoundly sorry. Said he put his faith in Christ. He was baptized. He started life over began reading Christian books and attending chapel. Sins washed, soul cleansed, past forgiven. That troubles me. It shouldn't, but it does. Grace for a cannibal? Question mark. I look at that and I read that and I say, wow, can that guy be forgiven? Isn't it too late for him? The fact of the matter is if you really knew me, and if you really knew my past, and if you could look into my life, you would say, grace for him? God forgives him? God washes his past away? That's amazing. It's not too late for forgiveness. Zacchaeus was the last person anyone would ever expect to repent. He was the last person that anyone would ever expect to apologize or to say, I'm sorry, or I regret. When he did, everyone was wondering, does he really mean it? Should we trust him? Or isn't it too late for him? You see, tax collecting was different at the time of Jesus. It was a crooked business. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that different. But anyway, ta tax collecting was, was, was crooked. Tax collectors were Jews who worked for the Romans, and they took advantage of their own people. They, they, your, your, your taxes depended on the mood they were in that day. So the, the Romans would set the baseline tax that they were going to collect, and then tax collectors would tax you more than what the Romans wanted to be taxed, and they would line their own pockets. So if they wanted to be greedy, they had the ability and the authority to be as greedy as they wanted to and to take from you as much as they wanted. The tax collector called the shots. Zacchaeus was one of those crooked tax collectors, and in fact, he was a chief. He was a professional crook. He was a professional chief. He was a professional trader. He made his living by extortion. He extorted money from those who were, who were he, he was able to take advantage of them. They were, they were dependent on him. The people looked at Zacchaeus and they had to say, it's too late for him. God could never forgive him. One of these days he's going to get his. But Zacchaeus heard of Jesus. 
And he hears how Jesus has a heart for the poor. And he hears how Jesus has a heart for the destitute. Now Zacchaeus had a lot of money. He had become rich. But he hears how Jesus has a heart for the downtrodden. And he hears how Jesus has a heart for the forgotten. And he hears that here's Jesus who loves the sinner. They had called Jesus the great prophet. Some were calling him a great preacher. Some were saying he's a great teacher. Some called him the deliverer or the great healer. Some began to say he is the Messiah. Word began to get out that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior. And Zacchaeus began to feel a stir in his heart and in his spirit. He worked for Rome. He was a chief tax collector. But in his heart, Zacchaeus was one of the poor. In his heart, he was destitute. In his heart, he was downtrodden. And in his heart, he was a sinner. And Zacchaeus began to wonder, is it possible that this man that seems to love everyone, is it possible he can love me too? I know that there's people that may be under the sound of my voice by Facebook or in this place that are asking yourself, is it possible that God can still love me or is it too late for me? On this day, Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is in town and he thinks, maybe today I can hear what this man has to say. As Jesus is walking into the crowd, the crowd is large. Zacchaeus was not. He was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Anybody been to Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. Climbed up. There you go. Thank you. He climbed up. Don't leave me up here by myself. Everybody looking at me going, eee. Climbed up in a sycamore tree. Yeah. Zacchaeus was a wee little, wee little man. He can't see. He's too short. Now, your heart should break right there. Bet he had hair, though. So <laughs> he wasn't a total loss. Zacchaeus finds a tree to climb because he wants to see Jesus. And like a child almost, he, he climbs up in this tree, and he finds a perch, and he's sitting on the perch to see Jesus. Here comes Jesus walking through the crowd, walking down the street, and he walks underneath the tree, and Zacchaeus has a front row seat. And suddenly Jesus stops at the base of the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, Get down here in a hurry. Let's do lunch. Come down quickly. I'm hanging out at your house today. The people of Jericho begin to mutter, begin to grumble. That's two words. I, I like the word mutter. They begin to complain. They didn't like who Jesus hung out with. It says the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. But Jesus and Zacchaeus eat together. And in verse 8, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. This is an amazing statement. It shows the regret of his heart. It shows the repentance in the heart of Zacchaeus. He is willing to go above and beyond to make things right. He wants to correct what he's done wrong, and he wants to make things right with people and with God. And Jesus responds with an amazing statement, verse 9. He says, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Now watch this. Religious folk hated for Jesus to pronounce salvation. They didn't like it at all. Whenever Jesus said your sins are forgiven or salvation's come to your house, religious people, they, be, they begin to cringe. They didn't like the fact that Jesus proclaimed salvation. They certainly didn't like Zacchaeus. They didn't like the fact that, that Jesus would claim salvation on his house. What gives Jesus the right to proclaim salvation? Grace for a tax collector? 
Here's what gives him the right. The name of Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. In Greek, it's Jesus. In English, it's Joshua. You know what it means? Salvation has come. Salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus in the form of a man. When Jesus Christ walked into the house, salvation walked into the house. And Jesus could say, salvation has come here because I've come here. Let's talk. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He was despicable. He was cheat. He was a cheat. He was a robber. He was short. Don't want no short people around here. They had every reason for people to not like him. But Jesus loved him, and Jesus saw something in him that he could redeem. He saw something in him that he could save. He saw something in him that he could use. I don't know what's in your past, and I don't know what you may have done, and I don't know who you've wronged, and I don't know how, how despicable you may feel. But when Jesus comes into your house, salvation comes to your house. People may not like it, but Jesus, when he comes your way, can start you over. And he sees something in you that he can save. And something in you that he can redeem. And something in you that he can use. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 1.21. The angel said, Mary, you'll have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I look in John 3.17, and Jesus is talking to a religious man by the name of Nicodemus. And here's what he said. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Here's what he says in John 10 and 9. I am the door. Anyone who comes through the Father must come by me and they will be saved. In Acts 2.21, Peter says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Acts 4 and 12, it says, there is salvation in no one else. It is all about Jesus. God has given us no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus has has the right to declare you saved. Everyone else may look at you and say, no way, too late. But Jesus has the right to declare you saved. Some may doubt it. Some may question it. Some may not like it. But if Jesus declares you saved, baby, you're in. Touch your neighbor and tell them, I got a right to be here. There are people that may not like me being here. There are people that may think that I'm, God would, could never save me, but I've got the right to be here. No matter what anybody else says, the Lord has said salvation has come to my house. Give him praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's all that mean? Why is Jesus the only one who can declare salvation? Because he's the only one that knows what stands between a person and their relationship with God. He has the right to forgive. Now, Zacchaeus was greedy. His greed had broken his relationship with God, his relationship with others, and his relationship with himself. But when he meets, when he meets Jesus, something changes. Jesus tells us the whole reason he came in verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came for you. Have you ever seen a person and thought, they'll never change? We have. Anyone got someone in your family, you think, oh, they'll never change. They've failed me too many times. They've disappointed too many times. They've failed everyone over and over and over again. And you say, they'll, they'll never change. They'll never apologize. They'll never ask for forgiveness. I want to talk to you about what it means to truly repent, and I want to tell you it's not too late for forgiveness. 
What does true repentance involve? Now, let's get in our business again. Can we do that? Last week, I tried to get in your business. I hope I can do it again today. I'm in mine. First of all, true repentance means being honest. If I really want forgiveness, I have to start with honesty. See, we can't truly ask for forgiveness until we're ready to be honest. When we get close to Jesus and when we witness his perfection, we realize how flawed we are. Can I tell you something? I am a broken individual. I'm a broken individual. I am amazed by his grace. And I I have to admit that to myself. And, And the closer I get to him, the more broken I realize I am. And it's that way with Jesus. See, if you feel like you're perfect and feel like you've arrived, you're not close to the Lord. Because the closer we get to him, the more brokenness we see in our own lives. The centurion said to him, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. But I got blood on my hands. But if you'll speak the word only, my servant will be healed. Peter had fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus said, throw your nets on the other side. He did. Pulls in a great catch. You remember Peter's job? He's calling Peter to, he's going to be the spokesman for the disciples. And Peter does not say, man, I must be a five-star apostle. No. Peter falls on his knees and says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. Zacchaeus says, I have cheated people. I've wronged people. I'm a broken individual. In this walk with God, we must come to a place where we are honest with ourselves and with others and ultimately with God. We must be able to say, I've done some things wrong. I'm a broken person and I'm sorry. If we're not willing to be honest about what we really are, then forgiveness is very difficult to come by. Zacchaeus admitted that he had cheated people, and then he goes farther. Are you ready? Asking forgiveness, seeking forgiveness involves taking responsibility. He said, I'll pay back four times what I've cheated, and I'll give half of everything I own to the poor. He took responsibility for what he had done. You see, up to this point, money had had been the greatest desire for Zacchaeus, but after this, he just wants peace. He wants peace in his life with God, peace in his life with other people. Now, if we're going to experience God's peace, are you ready? This can get sticky. If we're going to experience true peace with God, we have to make some things right with people. Whenever possible, we have to make some things right with some people. For some reason, people come to Christ and they get in church and they start acting like they don't fail anymore or start acting like they don't fall or they start acting like they never sin. True repentance is taking responsibility when we fail. And it's not just words. It's not just me coming and saying, hey, I, I'm sorry. I, I, love, I love apologies like this. I'm sorry if you feel that way. Well, don't put it on me if you're going to apologize. Don't be sorry for me. If you're sorry, you're sorry, right? I'm sorry you feel that way. It's more than just words. True repentance is followed by action. Here's the good news. Anybody here ever fail? I want to make sure I'm talking right. Anybody here ever fail? Okay. Put that hand up, Angie. You need to put both of them. (laughs) Anybody make mistakes? Anybody ever sin? Here's the good news. God specializes in redeeming our mistakes. 
That's what he does. Can I give you some good news? He loves forgiving you. Can I give you some good news? God loves picking you up. I want to take God loves cleaning us up. He loves starting us over. He loves wrapping his arms around us and saying, it's okay. I forgive you. But the prerequisite to that forgiveness is repentance. Now, here's what 2 Corinthians says. Paul writes this. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Can I teach for a minute? Is everyone with me still? Are we okay? There, the, sometimes we confuse confession with repentance. It's not the same thing. Confession is done with the mouth. It is admitting I've done wrong. Repentance is done with the heart. It's making an about face and saying, I'm going to make some changes in my life. I'm not going to live like that. I refuse to keep going through that same pattern over and over. Repentance is making some things right. Confession and repentance are good. Both are necessary. But confession without repentance brings no change. If all we're doing is saying, I'm sorry, and doing things over and over again, there's something missing. Repentance is making things right with God and making things right with other. And, uh, and we learn that it's not too late for us to receive forgiveness. Are you with me? Here's the big one. Truly seeking forgiveness involves Jesus. Jesus pursued Zacchaeus, and he pursues us. The thing is, Zacchaeus had to let him in. And we've got to be willing to let him. You've got to let him in your house. You've got to let him in your business. You've got to let him on your job with you. You've got to let him in your marriage with you. You've got to let him in your parenting with you. You've got to let him in your life. That area of your life that seems so dysfunctional, that area of your life that feels so broken, that's exactly where you need to allow the Lord to step into your life and allow him to bring. We cannot do this without him. We need him. We have to allow Jesus in. No matter who is muttering, no matter who is, is complaining, no matter who's grumbling and no matter what they're saying, ultimately it comes down to this. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? It is all about you and him. This is ultimately about you and the Lord Jesus. Now the Jews looked at tax collectors as traitors. Jesus, a Jew, comes to Zacchaeus' house and he proclaims salvation. It's not too late. It's not too late for forgiveness. As long as Jesus is calling, as long as Jesus is seeking, and as long as Jesus is saving people, it's not too late for you. Let me talk to you this morning. You may have never made a commitment to Christ. It's not too late for you. You may have made a commitment in the past. It's not too late for you to recommit. It's not too late for us to say, hey, I'm sorry to God to each other, to ourself. Maybe you got damaged relationships in your life. You need to just say, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe you have broken areas in your life with others or ro broken relationships in your life with God. Sometimes when you say, God, I'm sorry. I've had to look at my wife and say, hey, I'm sorry. See, as long as we try to ignore it, the more difficult it becomes for restoration. The more difficult it becomes to walk through the issue. It's not too late for you. 
So the question is, is there someone that you need to ask for forgiveness? Is there someone that you need to forgive? Is there an area of your life that you need God to forgive? Sometimes we need to own it and say, I wish I hadn't have done that. I need a do-over. Anybody here golf? Nobody golf. Me and Dwayne are the only golfers in the whole house. Uh, I don't golf good enough to claim it either, Mark, but in golf, I know, I know. In golf, there's a thing called a mulligan. It means I hit a bad shot, need to do it over. You ever use those? Every hole? Sometimes I say, God, I need a mulligan. I need a do-over. I need to start over. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I acted that way. God, I'm sorry. If you'll let me, God, I, I need you to forgive me. I want to make things right. God, I'll be honest. I'll take responsibility, and I'll do this with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, there may be some consequences that, consequences that you have to live with. Dahmer ended up losing his life, never got out of jail. Consequences may not change for some things we've done. Here's the good news. Although the Lord doesn't erase our past, He redeems it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord doesn't erase our past, but He redeems it. Those of you that are looking at your past and you feel so ashamed, and the enemies whispered at you and said, it's, it's too late for you. It's too late for you to find restoration. It's really too late for you to be restored. It's too late. The Lord wants to redeem those very areas of your life that you feel so broken and so ashamed. And He wants to use those things to draw you closer to Him than you've ever been in your life. Stand with me this morning. Thanks for tuning in to the Hammond New Harvest podcast. Hammond New Harvest Church is located at 1421 173rd Street in Hammond, Indiana. For news and events, follow us on facebook.com slash Hammond New Harvest. We are the perfect church for people who aren't.